TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The One Minute Mindfulness Show with Vicki Kelly and Natalie McIver. This is The One Minute Mindfulness Show where we explore the awesome power of paying attention and mindfulness, plus some everyday ways to strengthen your mental muscle. I'm Vicki Kelly. And I'm Natalie McIver. Welcome to the show. Well, I have to say I'm really excited to be here on our very first One Minute Mindfulness podcast. Uh, The potential of this show and to get the message of mindfulness and its powerful benefits out to all of you, our wonderful tribe and listeners, our community. And I'm equally excited that I get to do this with the very amazing co-host in Natalie McIver. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Vicky. Lovely to chat with you again. I'm always so uh, inspired and stimulated by our conversations and even more dedicated to staying on task and being more mindful in, in my everyday practices. It's like I've got you sitting on my shoulder reminding me throughout oh. my day. <laughs> oh, you're very cute. Well, I have to to say that um, with your background, it was it was really amazing that we've been able to secure your talent to uh, co-host on the show with us because you've had a really amazing um, journey and background in the healing arts. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Vicky. Um, and you know, the best thing about journeys is that they never end, do they? So every oh. every day, every month, I'm learning something new. And when I connected with you some 18 months ago, when when our very dear friend Karen Smith um, connected us together, beautiful Karen. I know, isn't she? Just everybody just loves Karen. She's just fabulous. Um, when when I connected with you um, all that time ago, it was right at the time when I needed another tool, a new tool in not only a healing kit for my for my clients and my workshop participants, but for myself. And wow. at the right moment, along comes this mindfulness piece of the puzzle that I hadn't ever explored before because I have been a master at being busy my whole life and multitasking and juggling and running on adrenaline. And it wasn't until I sold my business uh, just over 12 months ago and then fell into a heap that I realized that what I thought was was positive and powerful at being busy and, and being self-efficient and professional and being the person that everyone could ask everything of that always delivered I didn't realize that that wasn't actually good for my health. I thought that's just who I was and I was thriving, but not yeah. so, not so. Sort of your badge of honor almost. Oh, if you, yeah. If you're busy, you must be successful. <laughs> yeah, and I and I really pay attention now since the mindfulness part um, of of the life life tools, if you like, has popped into my existence. I'm really mindful now of how many people and and all varieties of people who will tell you how busy they are. And they make themselves busy. I realized I made myself busy with all my to-do lists that if I just nailed that to-do list on Monday, I would have time off Tuesday. But guess yeah. what, Vicky? I just wrote a new list. I just put more things <laughs> on the it. Goal That's exactly what we do and that we, we seem to be wired that way. You know, we reach a goal and we just move the goalpost and it's not good enough anymore. I know. It's crazy. And when I when I fell into a bit of a, 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 a sickness heap after selling my business and you know I, I guess I hadn't really been sick in my life because I didn't sit still long enough for a germ mm. to catch hold I really had to explore this because I was too sick to do anything I was too sick to read um, to, to mm. watch tv to take a walk anywhere 
And I really needed to, to go back into all of my healing tools, the tools that I've taught and shared in my clinic here in Australia and overseas in Vanuatu. I had to actually start living it again. And for me, there was something missing. And along came you, as, as divine synchronicity does, along came you and your mindfulness message popped right in there and, and was a real, uh, a turning point for me to go, Oh, right. So that voice that never stops talking in my head, that one that wants to take me back to the past and drag me into the future. I, that lack of being able to be mindful means that I've been, I have been living a lot of my life on autopilot. And, you know, I've suffered. My kids have suffered. My friendships and relationships would surely have suffered because I mm. thought I was really great at being able to keep working while I barked out orders to the two kids. Have you done this? Have <laughs> yeah. you done that? Have you done this? And not even stop and turn and look at them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Which is, you know, one of the, the amazing cornerstones of a practice in mindfulness is that deepening connection through eye contact. And, I, and I'm sure as you're speaking, there would be so many people that would be relating to, to your story. And really, that's essentially why the One Minute Mindfulness Show and the concept of the show was born under the Wellness Couch and I think in, in terms of the wellness couch thing, that, that was one of the gaps that we were we, we as a team will be able to help close is helping people to live in a more present and mindful way. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, it's, it's more than just meditation. It's more than just staying um, present. And what I'm really excited about is uh, this podcast show, this show with you, Vicky, is that we're going to be sharing those tools right there in the moment, take-home tools so that when you find yourself in, in some sort of stressful situation or just the busyness of your life, you'll have a really simple, easy tool that you can apply in the moment. And they're so And the simple. great news is it, it can take less than a minute. It can, in fact, be just a few seconds, which we'll, you know, we'll be exploring throughout the show. And I think that's where lots of people have not pursued or, or uh, developed and strengthened a practice of uh, contemplation or mindfulness or meditation because they think you have to be in a relaxed state, burning incense in the perfect silence mode and have 20 minutes or half an hour or, or 10 days as, as was my introduction to, you know, the contemplative world. Uh, and what we've come to recognize and certainly what I've come to recognize is it can happen in a moment for the moment and that's what we need you know that's what mindfulness is all about catching yourself in the moment and creating a shift and a change right there and then so nice yeah. and simple so yeah. I guess I guess as a mindfulness um, geek there Vicky you've got lots to share lots of personal experience lots of clinical experience um, and certainly your message has touched people all over the world. So did you just wake up one day and decide you were going to become a mindfulness geek or how did you get here? No, I, thank you for that, Natalie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> geek, geek's a good one. I think I've been a geek in some um, way, shape or form all of my life. But like many of us in our lives, our, our values are often driven from something that has happened as a void in our life. And certainly um, mine was struggling with my emotions right from an early age, really, sort of my mid to late teens. And in my family, medication wasn't an option, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So I went on the hunt pretty early on for ways to 
at that time control my emotions and it wasn't until much later that I realized that it was less about control and more about relaxing and letting go but that's that's a story for another show (laughs) and I know that you've got some great tools on that Natalie so I studied all that I could around the mind and I went and um As I mentioned earlier, my first introduction to meditation was Vipassana. And, you know, that's 10 or 12 days in retreat, in solitude, in absolute silence. And so I did that. I did um, transcendental meditation. I did shorter forms of meditation. I studied hypnosis and NLP. And really anything at the time that positive psychology could offer me, I was there. And I worked in training and development, so I was able to apply some of those principles in my career choice. However, Vipassana, as great as it was, checking out of life for 10 or 12 days at a time, when I got married and had kids and got a mortgage and all of those sorts of things became nearly impossible. And everything that I everything that I was learning seemed to keep coming back to this thing called awareness, to consciousness, to being present. And when I was present, I seemed to have this, I had I was able to choose when I was paying attention I just naturally made better choices and so my life's work and my passion has really been dedicated to that study and how that awareness through mindfulness or PTC present time consciousness or being in the now or there I mean there's so many there's so many ways that we describe it and now thankfully there's this emerging science called contemplative science where our wonderful researchers and scientists are actually studying the effects of mindfulness on how we work, live and play. And so we'll be um, exploring that over the coming shows. But for me, it was more about how can I, knowing the value of this now, how can I help take this out into the world? And so particularly in the last 10 to 15 years, my main focus and passion has been around the practice of mindfulness, particularly short form mindfulness, either in the corporate arena uh, with um, lay groups and more recently with um, children and and the younger groups, particularly around this as technology advances and we get hijacked and our attention is more hijacked by the use of our devices, particularly around that, utilising technology and making sure that we're not being constantly hijacked from that. And we can still have this the, the amazing advances of technology without necessarily having to have it constantly hijack our attention. So that's where my life's work and my life's passion is. And through this show is one of the vehicles to that. Fantastic. So, so one of the things that um, people often say to me uh, when they come to me in clinic practice or a workshop is, I have tried everything. I've been to every workshop. I've listened to every webinar. I have spent tens, thousands of dollars to, to learn how to be more abundant, more peaceful, more connected in my relationships, to work on my emotional and physical health and et cetera, et cetera. So when the people start to put to us as they begin to listen and enjoy our programs every fortnight, for the people who have tried everything, Vicky, how is what we're proposing that they bring into their life going to be different? In simple terms, it's I always think it's welcome to life. Life 
has its dramas and its chaos and its ups and downs and its ebbs and flows. And, you know, it's easy to apply our our principles of, of relaxation and meditation and staying calm and being cool, calm and collected and being, the, the you know, the best version of ourselves. That all seems really easy when things are going our way. Mm. And when things are going our way, we're able to do all the things or we seem more able and more have more capacity to do the things that keep us calm and relaxed and out of this stress and overwhelm. But I think this show is going to be different simply because we're going to be helping you to do and apply these practices every single day, regardless of what's going on around you. Because life happens. And and what I recognise in the overs and unders of, of my life in the last, you know, 40 plus years, I'm just a baby, <laughs> in the last 40 plus years, is that there's always overs and unders. And it doesn't matter how much I meditate or om or hum or chant or channel, there's going to be great days and less than great days. And the only, the only uh, um, constant is me. Yeah. And that constant in me is how I choose to respond or react. And I like to think of it as a I'm either in responsive Vicky or I'm in reactive Vicky. Mm. And when I'm mindless, I'm in reactive Vicky and, I, and I'm channeling all of my old habits and behaviours and conditioning. When I'm in responsive Vicky, I'm able to choose. And that's where, that's the difference I believe in, in this show and what we'll be exploring and particularly with the short form one minute mindfulness practices is you can do it anywhere at any time, especially when things are not going your way and regardless of what's going on around you. I love it. Things merely calling back the attention and focusing on your breath for a few breaths, noticing where your tongue's sitting. And for those of you who are wondering, if your tongue, if, if, if you notice right now where your tongue's sitting, if it happens to be jammed against the roof of your mouth, that's an indication that you might be in a little bit of stress, low grade or intensified, a little bit of um, stress or overwhelm. When you first and shared so- that one with me, Vicky, um, mm-hmm. a long time ago, I started to become really aware. And that's that's the thing. It's it's not about quick fixes or life-changing, you know, all the effort right. required to change your life. It's the, It starts with the awareness and when you shared that simple tongue technique with me, I began to realize that I was falling asleep at night and waking up at night with my tongue jammed against the roof of yeah. my mouth. And yet, yeah. you know, in all of my years of life, I've never even looked at that. And the interesting thing in correlation to that was, um, you know, I see osteo and a chiropractor quite regularly, and I was having all of this jaw stress and tension. And she said to me, you know, do you grind your teeth? And I said, well, no, I'm not aware of it. No one's ever said that I do. Um, she said, well, you know, do you keep your tooth really tight together? And, and I don't have the straightest of teeth, so they don't line up. So, no, they're not jammed together. There's, there's a bit of gap in them. Then you taught me that technique, and within weeks of being really conscious and applying it and being aware of it, all the jaw pain went as well. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it is amazing. And there's, like any of the uh, principles or practices that will be that we will explore, there will there will be you know the the naysayers who will say no. Well, I like you know I like <laughs> my tongue on the roof of my mouth. And what I say to that is keep it there. If it works for you, 
keep it there. What we're offering, though, is a way of bringing an awareness to what your body might be indicating to you that it's in a little bit of stress. And what we know is stress can be our friend. In short bursts, stress is really effective. However, if we're in a constant state of stress, of that sympathetic response, then our body doesn't get a chance to heal and repair. When we're in when we're in a stress response, so that sympathetic wing of the nervous system response, we close down all of our centres for healing, for growth, for repair. Uh, ladies out there, if if you're um, constantly in stress and rush and busyness, you're you're locking down your chance to look amazing and um, be young at all ages because we're shutting down all of our repair systems, all of our longevity systems, all of our creative centres. It's only when we can do things like remove, be focused and remove our tongue from the roof of our mouth, focus on our out-breath, that we open up all those centres for healing and repair, for digestion. We open up our creativity centres so that we can actually be more resourceful. So there's some great benefits of what a mindfulness practice um, can bring for us, Vicky. But but what are your concerns for us as a as a race, as a person, if we don't start to become more mindful? What what are we looking at creating for ourselves in our physical body and and in the world around us? At the at the very least, my my main concern is for our our future generation, our our kids. Mm-hmm. And the way kids learn is through modelling and the way that our attention is being hijacked and manipulated, particularly through technology, is mind-blowing and astounding. And we'll learn for some, from some researchers um, just how critical it is that we redefine our relationship with technology. And that doesn't mean... Uh, avoiding and going and living on an, an island and not having technology around us. Technology is an amazing gift and in terms of advancement, the reason that you and I, I I'm sitting in San Francisco, San Francisco now and you're in Australia, the reason that we can be sharing with listeners all over the world is because of technology. So I'm not... Um, negating the value of technology however the way it's hijacking and manipulating our attention particularly that of our little people is it's pruning away some pathways some critical pathways in our brain for empathy and compassion and kindness all of the things that are built and strengthened through mindfulness practice through paying attention and so that is my major concern is that the way that we're allowing technology particularly but also our busyness to hijack our attention and keep us from deepening our connection with ourselves and the people around us, the way that that is is expanding at an exponential rate, it's um, pruning away our capacity for empathy, for connection, for our relationships, as you mentioned earlier. And so that's why I'm completely dedicated and so passionate about getting this message out to the world that actually it doesn't require being in the perfect position, burning incense, being in Zen for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. Mind The practice of mindfulness can happen in any moment with any um, daily living 
practice. Even something like brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, which we will explore, uh, calls your attention back. It's anything that we can do that calls our, our attention back from the past or the future to, to this very moment. That is mindfulness in action. And anything, anytime we can do that, we're strengthening our capacity for future moments of mindfulness. And when we're mindful, we just know we make better choices, closer to the better version of who do we, who it is we'd love to be. And I'm not even interested in who it is you'd love to be <laughs> because I just know that when we're mindful, we open up our centres for compassion and kindness. Yeah, yeah. And is there a wrong way, Vicky, to practise mindfulness? Well, I don't I don't believe there is, and I, and I know we're going to get some scientists and some researchers on here who are very committed to the, the core principles and practices of mindfulness, and so I'm not taking away from that side of it. But what I will say to everybody out there is just start. Just start. Start with your breath, with your tongue, brushing your teeth the wrong way, because what I know to be true is that will call your attention back and begin the process, open the window to you getting to know yourself as a, as a more mindful person. And when we're more mindful, we make better choices. We open up the kindness and compassion and empathy. We get to walk in others' shoes. We deepen our connection with the people around us. And because as a human race, our human experience is all about relationships, it's not, I'm not dedicated to mindfulness as a practice because as a purist, I'm dedicated to mindfulness as a tool to deepen our human experience. Because and so how you, yeah, go. I was going to say, because if, if we're too busy running around, we're missing the experience. If we're already thinking about the end result or or what we're doing next, we're, we're actually not in the moment checking out and being aware of exactly what the gift is in that moment. And 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 this, I think this generation, um, you know, I'm a grandmother, I've got um, a teenage and 26-year-old daughter and, and a five-year-old granddaughter and her life is busier than my kids were, than, than mm. I was growing yeah. up. And I had Grace on the beach the other morning with a bucket collecting um shells and whatever else she wanted to collect on the beach. There was a fair bit of stuff washed up after the storm. And she was racing through that at breakneck speed. She was just running and throwing things in the bucket that I was carrying. She didn't even take the time or to, to look and, and see anything or if she even wanted that shell. It was almost like she, she was programmed to, we're going to do this as quick as we can. Yeah. Cause we'll go to the park then. Let's get Nana to yeah, finish this. Then yeah. we can go to the park. And, and I watched her do that. And then I brought it, brought her back and said, Oh, look at this cuttlefish. Look at the size of this. And do you know what a cuttlefish looks like before it's dried out? And, you know, we had a, we had a, a longer stretch of experience there. Mm. And, you know, after that, she slowed down. She stopped collecting, but we climbed on the rocks for about another 45 minutes, really wow. high rocks. So she got so focused on the rock climbing. She didn't want to go to the park. She just wanted to swim and we went home. So it's wonderful to view the things that I'm learning um, in my practice through you, through other people and, and that I live with. But to be able what to be What a gift you on. are, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Nana, please. Grandma's a little oh. bit old. <laughs> but it is. It's wonderful. It's like... In the moment, I'm getting to see exactly the mirror of me when I'm rushing around, 
not yeah. not staying in the moment, not enjoying it, not having the experience. And the amount of times I must have, you know, as a single parent and, and running my own businesses, the amount of times I must have rushed my children through everything so that I and could get the next yeah. thing done. That's where the gift is. The more the the more moments that you can call your attention back, you're sending a message to the future of that awareness to say, at the very least, I'm going to begin to notice when I'm in that stressed and overwhelmed state, when I'm in that mindless state, when I'm in that manic, busy, rushing state. And every time, even every time we call that attention back by just thinking, oh, where's my tongue? Every time we call our attention back through focusing on our out breath, every time we do that, we're, it, we're strengthening our capacity for mindfulness, my, more mindful moments in the future, which is, and, and that's where the absolute gift lies in, the, in this practice of mindful living. Because what we do now is actually creating our future. So every thought, every action, every moment of unconsciousness or consciousness is creating what's going to unfold for us in the next days, weeks, months, etc. So, you know, mindfulness practice for me is more than just being present. It's about really slowing down and, and being involved in every task and staying present in that way, but being mindful in myself of of the the what's motivating me to be going so busy and going, hang on, what am I doing? I can just slow down. I've got all the time in the world to actually walk yeah. and observe what's going on around me instead of being in my stories. And And I think that's the greatest gift for me with mindfulness is it pulls me back to the voice in my head and going, well, what are you doing up there running around like crazy, totally out of control, thinking whatever you want, which yeah. is usually very unproductive and not healthy for me as well. Exactly, and isn't it isn't it amazing that our you know our um, eastern friends have been fully immersed in these practices of of contemplation for thousands and thousands of years, and we're slowly catching up. And certainly now the you know the emerging sciences are out there, and and the emerging sciences are catching up and validating what. Uh, our traditionalists have been preaching and practicing for thousands of years. So, I, so as much as it's great to have the science, I think it's it's a really it's it's a wondrous it's a wondrous um, gift to be able to also look to the traditional practices and philosophies um, as we as we journey through. And I know later in the month. Natalie, you're heading to Bali, is that right? That's right, and and one of the greatest... So I can't um, wait. Oh, me too, me too, me too. But one of the the greatest highlights for me, um, interesting, everyone in my family's got different reactions to this, but the third day we're there is, uh, I think it's pronounced Nepi Day, which is like their New Year, so it's their festival day. But unlike That's lockdown, isn't it? It is, unlike the rest of the world who get out and make a lot of noise on those days, it's total lockdown. The, the businesses are closed, the lights are dimmed, there's not to be any music or any loud voices, you're not to have, um, you know, any sort of festivities, there's security people in the street, the beaches are closed. So it's a day of total reflection and total commitment to 
to being in that moment and, and being present and aware in their family. So um, I, can't, I can't wait to hear <laughs> all about that on one of, and we'll certainly explore that when you get back from Bali because I know that lots of our listeners would would love that. Yeah. You know, we talked, you talked about reflection, and I, and I think one of the one of the um, the things that we avoid through all of this attention, and certainly one of the things that is is foreign to our young people now is that time for reflection. They can't be on their own. Mm. You know, I can't, we can't be on our own. You know, we stand in the supermarket line. We can't stand there and be in our own thoughts or in reflection. We have to be on our phone, checking out, checking our um, texts, sending a text, waiting for a text, looking at Facebook, going on some other, you know, social media addiction that we have. Mm. We can't stand and just be and we can't wait. Mm. We can't, we've just lost this capacity to be able to be on our own with our own thoughts. And if, if nothing else, we'll be exploring that and strengthening that capacity for all of you. And it will only, I promise, it only takes moments and you'll begin to notice a difference almost immediately. We will indeed. So before we wrap up, Vicky, I know that yeah. you mentioned a few of um, a few mindfulness tool, tools and we're going to share one of those tools or a few of those tools every single program so people don't need to try and take it all in in one show. But what's your favourite practice? And let's work on that for the next week. Let's invite my everyone to favorite, work on that. My favourite practice and probably the one that I'm known for out there in the world is the three-second hug. Oh. And three seconds is a long time when you're paying attention. And if we think about all the times that we hug our kids or hug our partner or hug our friends, it's generally a, a hug, a pat, and an off you go. And most of the time, we don't deepen our connection and and the our exchange or rest our awareness in that embrace. And so if there's one thing that I'd love to leave everyone with is for the next two weeks, because we're back with you again in two weeks, so for the next 14 days, if whenever you think of it, you um, create the space to hold an embrace for three seconds, where it's appropriate, of course. <laughs> um, however... Doing this, it's one of the, the people's favourite um, techniques, along with its equally powerful partner for um, our lovers in the three-second kiss, which we'll explore in later shows. But the three-second hug is is just a way of really deepening our connection with those around us. So if that's that would be my absolute favourite. And if it's a three-second hug, I'd suggest heart to heart. So it will be um, maybe awkward at first, but you can add the element of hugging heart to heart. Um, most of us being right-handed tend to hug the other way. But yeah, deepening our connection through that three-second hug uh, would be my absolute favourite. And I would love for that to be the practice over the, the coming fortnight. I read some research recently about um, the hug, the, the lengthy hug, and with so many people who fly in, fly out, relationships and partners and dads and mums that fly in, fly out, or even long longer business days with travel and things like that, that you have all of these people that scatter in your home in the morning to school and work, etc., or, or someone stays home and the others go, it's, it's irrelevant. But the people, we go apart from each other, then we kind of bring all of our energy and all of our stuff 
back into the one house and it can be a little chaotic. I reckon this is why kids go crazy at the three o'clock school pickup. If we can stop and actually do that three second hug, our, our neurological systems relax and, mm. and come back together gently going, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I feel you, I feel you. And then we're not kind of banging off each other, um, bouncing all of our energies and all the messy energies we've picked up around us. So great research. And we're designed, we're designed to connect. We are, we are. Yeah. So how will we know this is working, Vicky, just before we finish up? How will I know that anything's different? What can I expect to, to witness if I start doing longer hugs with everybody in my life? You'll begin first and foremost to notice a greater sense of connection, a greater sense of calm, and make sure you watch out for that. Maybe some more smiles, but most importantly, inwardly, you'll begin to notice a greater sense of ease. Mm -hmm. And equally importantly, you'll notice when you're feeling out of that ease. And you'll be able to use these tools to bring you back into that more resourceful self through your breath, through noticing where your tongue is, and through wherever possible, connecting through embrace with those people that are really really close with you you may begin to notice more thoughts that doesn't mean it's not working it just means you have a greater awareness of the of that thinking of that little voice inside your head thinking um we're not our thoughts we're the awareness of our thoughts and in in when we're truly mindful we're the awareness of everything that's going on around us in that moment and so we'll begin to, you'll begin to notice just a deeper sense of calmness and connection and what will emerge from that over time is greater a greater experience of of joy and you'll notice that on your face and particularly in in the face of those people around you so yeah beautiful i feel i feel more calm already Well, that brings us to the end of our very first One Minute Mindfulness show. Thanks for joining us today. There's a few ways you can stay connected with us on the couch. Please go to our website, www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash OMM show. You'll find a growing number of fabulous shows as well as ours and you'll join some outstanding contributors on the couch who are also really dedicated to supporting all of us in our wellness adventure. And if you do love this show, as I'm sure you do, (laughs) please go now and post it and tweet it or share it with your online tribe and do go and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or join our Facebook community. And that's um, www.facebook.com forward slash OMM show and you can leave your comments you can leave your questions you can leave your celebrations and particularly when it comes to your questions and comments we'll be exploring some of those on the show so if you've got any topics or anything around mindfulness um, contemplation meditation uh, deepening of connection that you're wanting to explore please let us know because we will explore those on upcoming shows So until next time, may you live, love, parent and serve through your connected and mindful heart. Enjoy those three-second hugs. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks, Vicky. Bye. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.